When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. Batter up. Listeners, welcome back to A Pot of Their Own. This is episode 126 of A Pot of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hello, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So um, the injuries with the Mets uh, continue. (laughs) And they have, since we last recorded, suffered the worst one yet which is that Max Scherzer will be out six to eight weeks with an oblique strain. No. It's very bad. Um, I mean, you kind of knew it was bad the second he, like, threw a pitch and immediately motioned, like, I can't pitch anymore and motioned for the trainer to come out and took himself out of the game. That's never good. Not what you want to see. No, especially Max Scherzer, who does not do that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, that's not good for any player because all these dudes are like complete animals who are like totally competitive and always want to pitch in any given situation. But that especially applies to Max Scherzer. And so him taking himself out of the game, especially like 
a hyper competitive guy like him and a veteran guy like him who really knows his own body like that's never good. Um, he said after the game that he was optimistic about it and that wasn't that bad. But it was that bad. (laughs) He lied. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of feeling like I want to cling to this hope, but that that looked like an oblique or a lat. And neither of those are really good. I mean, I guess it's at least good that it wasn't like his elbow or his shoulder, um, which are nightmares. I was having flashbacks to Noah Syndergaard. The lat injury. That's exactly what I thought of. I thought of Noah Syndergaard's lat injury right away, which was a really long recovery. Um, And this is similarly bad. I mean, like it's it's not the worst case scenario from like like a long term perspective, because obviously the elbow or the shoulder are always worse when you're talking about the long longevity of a pitcher's career. But like an oblique or a lat, those are just lengthy recovery times. Like you just can't get around that. It's like a really hard injury to recover from, even if it isn't like damage to your throwing arm. Um, but yeah, it's not great. Now the Mets are without DeGrom and Scherzer. Um, DeGrom is in theory, you know, ramping up and should come back first, but well, there's some positive stuff around that of like him moving and like relocating for a while or something. It's, there's definitely some like buzz in the DeGrom area, which I think is nice. And we yeah. had video evidence of him throwing at Titty Field. Yep. Yep. We have so proof of life. We had like proof of life. <laughs> proof of life from DeGrom. He was throwing at Titty Field. They had ramped him up from like whatever, whatever throwing distance it was, like 75 feet to 90 feet or something like that. But they said that he's going to start throwing bullpen soon. And he's back in New York They that he was throwing at City Field, like we said. So he's back from Florida where he was rehabbing until now. So that's a good sign for DeGrom. I think that more and more they're saying, I remember, you know, when the last week when we talked about DeGrom and they had just gotten the new images that showed continued healing, cleared him for ramp up, et cetera, et cetera. They were saying like, maybe a late June, early July type of return would be reasonable to assume at this point. And I think that they are now saying that like late June, the early side of that timeline is actually reasonable. Um, still to make rehab starts, but. Well, Trevor May said he's feeling good too. Yeah, he did say he was quote crushing rehab. <laughs> um, but but before we before we move on from Trevor May, can we pour one out for Donnie, please? Yes. Oh Aww. my goodness gracious! I know. I, I feel especially you know connected to to Trevor and Donnie in this time. I, I also know. am going through a period of bereavement. It's it's really really hard to lose a pet. It's especially yeah, hard when it was unexpected which is the case with with trevor may and just if it's any um just to clarify for anybody donnie is trevor may's cat yes Um, yes so if any i if anyone is not sufficiently online with the cat below um i just wanted to make sure they didn't think that like something worse had happened yeah yeah Um, i mean it's still very sad but it's very sad yeah Trevor May was Trevor May's cat was um, I mean, obviously, like uh, various Mets have pets and they post them to varying degrees. We all know that Willow McNeil is very online, for example. Um, But Trevor May is one of the more online Mets. And so therefore his cat was featured on his Twitter 
uh, very often, often enough, in fact, that he would post a daily Donnie, he called it for his yeah. cat. Um, and his, sweetie. his cat was freaking adorable. Um, yeah, it was rough. The, the and he was only two, only two. two years old. The cat fell from oh, a balcony. A baby. I, know, I know the poor little guy. Uh, and it so, seemed yeah. hopeful. It seemed like he was getting better. Yeah, yeah. Very sad. So yeah, just RIP Donnie. Very sad. Um, but, but I mean, I tweeted this to Trevor. I doubt he read it. But I mean, if we could all see how much Trevor loved Donnie, then Donnie definitely knew how much Trevor loved him. Donnie lived so, a yeah. good life. Yeah. He was loved. Um, but yeah, the the pitching injuries. I mean, Tyler McGill also throwing uh, similar. I think he's at like a similar stage in his recovery to Jacob deGrom, but he will need many fewer rehab starts because He's not been out nearly as long. So I think that they said he will need a rehab start, but maybe only one. So he's like getting close ish. But even even in the meantime, they are really, really thin, really thin to the point where they they had to start Thomas Sapucky in a game this week uh, against the Giants. how you'd expect it to go. But why wasn't Trevor Williams starting? That was a mystery to me. I had originally thought, you know, like, because he had started on three days rest, you know, previously, because he had only gone whatever it was, three, four innings. And then three days later, he started again. And I had thought that they were trying to not do that because they were trying to like actually put him in the rotation for real. Mm-hmm. But because they had the double headers and stuff, they needed another guy in addition to Peterson and Williams. So I was like, oh, okay, they're just going to use Sapucky to plug in because they were playing six games in five days. So I was like, they need six guys. Okay, they're going to put Sapucky in and then they'll like either keep Sapucky in the rotation if he does well and put Trevor Williams back as the long man, or they will, you know, send Sapucky back down, put Trevor Williams in, back into the rotation, which is what's going to happen. But he ended up appearing in that game anyway, which baffled yeah. me because if you're willing to pitch him on three days rest, you might as well have just started him just in do the it. place and pitching him on three days rest when the game is already done. Exactly. At yeah. that point, it was out of hand. Um, so Pucky got, you know, really his ass kicked. Um, <laughs> he did not look like a major league pitcher. And it's kind of clear that he's not a major league pitcher, at least not it's at this a stage. problem. Um, so he is not a viable option moving forward. I think the Mets know what I think. Therefore, Trevor Williams will continue to get starts. And, you know, Trevor Williams did pitch really well in relief of Thomas. He hasn't been bad. He's been OK. He's yeah. been fine. Um, so, you know, they really just need, this is a rough slog they have ahead right now. This, this, this like late May, early June period is a rough slog because they have, you know, strong opponents in their schedule during this time. And they also, you know, are stretched to the very thinnest of their pitching depth. And they're going to need to muddle through at least a couple of times in their rotation being Bassett, Carrasco, Walker, Williams, and Peterson. Which is like not great. <laughs> yeah, this all came at like the worst time. And then you need to count on your guys. And when Bassett has a bad start, which he did, yeah, it it gets a little, it gets a little, it gets dicey real fast. Like yeah. you can't you can't afford to have Walker, Carrasco, or Bassett slip like at all at this point. You have no exactly. cushion. Exactly. Well, you mean you have a cushion in the standings, but you don't have a cushion in your rotation. Right. And, and it's a cushion that won't necessarily last forever. 
No. And they're definitely going to need to call on for some of this month because this month is brutal. Brutal. And I mean, they they did, you know, like last week they won three of four from the Cardinals and two of three from the Rockies. Obviously, one of those games is still started by Max Scherzer before because he didn't get hurt until kind of late in the game. So he did like kind of have a full start before he hurt himself. And they did, you know, manage to win those two series despite that. But they lost the Giants series. Now, I mean, that's not necessarily indicative of the beginning of the end as far as them slipping. But well, and it is worth pointing out that, it, you know, that West Coast road trip, they won 500 on that road trip. Yes. And, you know, that is more against the Rockies than against the Giants. But like a 500 road trip is a 500 road trip. Yeah, I'll take it. um, They win the series, the season series over the Giants, too. Like, it's just I I feel like there's a lot to look back on the couple weeks and think like, this seems fine. Um, I also definitely think that everything is going to come crashing around us like tomorrow. Yeah, it's like they will never win again. We're at a very tenuous. (laughs) The June swoon is coming. We're staring at the precipice. And I don't know if we're going to go over, if the Mets are going to go over the precipice, but we're staring at the precipice and it's, it's nerve wracking. Um, I think that, you know, obviously as frustrating as that loss was against the Giants, uh, mm-hmm. not the one that Sapunky pitched the day before, um, the one where you know they were down and and pulled off a miraculous comeback to take the lead, only to lose that lead again, only to get the lead back in the ninth, only to lose the game in the bottom of the ninth in walk off fashion, thirteen to twelve. Um, God bless anybody who stayed up to watch that whole thing. Woo! Hello, it's me. Amazing. I did. Yeah, I know. Allison doesn't sleep, guys. No, oh, I'm a, the Ranger game had just got over. So then I flipped it over and I was like, oh, wait, the Mets came back. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a night owl. Uh, and so uh, West Coast road trips, I'm like a I'm like a sicko who loves them. And so I wa- I get like excited for them, not from a Mets perspective, because the Mets, you know, West Coast road trips are a slog for East Coast teams. And so I understand that the Mets don't look forward to West Coast road trips, but I'm like a sicko who like loves my late night baseball with my cup of tea. I like live for that shit. Um, and so I watched the whole thing and the comeback was very fun. Um, my dad chastised me and he was right because I started making a meme that is still in the drafts. That's Uh-oh. never going to see oh. the light of day Oh dear! Um, during the, co- I never posted it to be fair. I didn't, I was waiting to post it until, you know, the game was over, <laughs> but I, I started making it when they took the lead. And I had to leave it in the draft. <laughs> oh, oh, that's um, a tragedy. It's tragedy because it was very good. And I worked <laughs> very hard on it, too. Um, it was basically the um, so I, I mean, I can talk about it now because they, the curse has already been complete. Um, but it was it was uh, going to be um, that scene from Mean Girls. That's like, raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by Regina George. And then everybody no. raises their hands. So it's going to be raise your hand if you've been personally victimized by the 2022 New York Mets. And I worked so hard to Photoshop individual mm-hmm. Phillies, Cardinals oh, no. and Giants hats on like that whole audience raising their hands. Oh, I love it. And oh. it was such a good meme. And I'm so mad I didn't get to use it. But, you know, oh, they are going to victimize more teams. And it's, yes. you will have to do some follow-up work to, like, swap out the Giants because, like, we'll call that a draw. Um, <laughs> and, and, there, but, and there will be other teams that they will victimize. But I believe in you. Yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. delete it. I know. I'm, I, it's, it's, in the, it's in the bank. It's in the bank for future use. 
Um, if you steal my valor listeners, I will get mad at you online. <laughs> I will be mad online, but don't write in the newspaper that I got. Mad at. Um, but that's, a, that's my meme that I had in the bank that I had to leave in the dress. Very tragic. But, you know, I think that as frustrating as that loss was, and trust me, sitting, uh, sitting, stewing at 2 a.m. still awake, <laughs> I was very mad. I immediately but, turned off the TV and went to bed. <laughs> but those types of losses are like, I, at, because of the nature of the way it happened, I say I would have rather of them just lost eight to two because they were down eight to two in that game. And I'm like, at that point, just lose eight to two. Yeah. But I say that for my own personal anguish, but for the long term prospects and outlook of the team, I think that that heart wrenching loss, the way that they ultimately lost is better because they're competitive in almost every game they play in. They rarely get blown out. I say that as they got blown out the very next day, but I think that was a pretty special circumstance. That was also like a pitcher just completely blowing it the first couple innings and then a bullpen that locked it down and a offense that did some that other days would be enough and wasn't nearly enough this time. Like that's just, that's just baseball. Well, was it Keith who said you can never change the channel on this team and you can. It's true. So I think that that's like always a positive to take away, even if like that was awful. And it was frustrating because you kind of knew that the next day had a really high probability of being a loss. And so it was like to throw to throw away what ultimately was a winnable game ahead of that is is frustrating. Yeah. It's very frustrating. Yeah. Um, but it continues to show that this team has fight in it and it, it, they never give up no matter what. And that's very encouraging. I think, I mean, I think that game was very encouraging from an offensive perspective because the offense had kind of been floundering a little bit. Um, Lindor is raging hot again now. Um, so that's really good. My man's had a big game. Let's not forget that. Yes. Yes, JD had a very good game. Yes. Four very big hits. (laughs) Um, which was desperately needed, um, (laughs) because we needed to start getting production from, you know, that DH spot. Um, and Dom Smith got a big hit in that series too. So, you know, like, the offense is coming around. Um, I at this point, like we kind of alluded to, they have built up this cushion in the division, an eight-game lead. That's a lot. That's a big lead in May. That's Although a big Decomo lead. had a good tweet um, that might help, like to like walk us off the ledge a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, he said, over their last twenty games, the Mets are eleven and nine. They've gained two point five games in the NLE standings over that stretch. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even like playing just okay baseball, they're still gaining games in the, in the standings. Well, I think it's easy to also look back on last year when they did have a lead for a while in the division. Um, and they kind of didn't really grow it after a certain point. And like the Mets lead this year is also sort of stalled out, but also it's stalled out at eight instead of stalled out at four. And that's a big difference. Huge difference. Yeah. They never had a lead this big last year. Um, And I mean, they never had a lead this big while their big players were out. You know what I'm saying? Like their big injuries happened, you know, with a much closer division uh, division race and it happened later in the season. So 
the the reason it stands to reason then that they they currently have an eight game lead. Hopefully they play, you know, like you have a team that's winning two out of three of its games, more or less, most of the time. And you just hope that they can during this not no Scherzer or no DeGrom stretch do play 500 baseball, more or less. And that might drop you a couple games in that lead, but it will at least keep you alive. And then during the stretch run, when it's important, then you're healthy, which was not the case last year. During the stretch run last year is when they got hurt. Yeah, um, and I trust this team not to just roll over and die either. Yeah. Like it just yeah. seemed like they kind of, it felt like they quit. They probably didn't, but it was just like the vibes were off. Like it just yeah. seemed like they couldn't get out of their own way last year when things started snowballing on them. Like they, they had that good game against the Yankees, the Lindor game. Um, but that was just Lindor because Lindor is awesome. But the team as a whole, like down the stretch, it just the, like I said, the vibes were, they were not exuding good vibes. I feel like they, they got like a little hobby bias boost, but yes. then that was like really it. But um, then when he got hurt, it yeah. was all, all, it was all kind of downhill from there. Downhill from there. Um, so, you know, I still believe in this team. I think that, I mean, I, I, but I am not trying to minimize the perilous uh, path that lays ahead for them. June and is the going to be too. potentially bull- a very rough time. Yes. The bullpen. Yeah. Um, I mean, Trevor may will hopefully come back soon. They are. And I mean, to be fair, the randoms that they have been cycling have been some of the better performers in the past <laughs> few weeks. Honestly, like yeah. if you think about Colin Holderman, Jake Reed, Steven Nagosek, like mean, all I those say, guys. If you wanted to invent a fake baseball player, I mean, Colin Holderman would be its name, right? Yes, yes. That would be the fake baseball player's name, Colin Holderman. A reliever who gets holds and not saves, which <laughs> literally is Colin Holderman. Colin Holderman. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's they've been getting they've been getting some production from some unexpected places, which if you have a good team that's trying to hold it together and like, you know, withstand injuries to some of their more important players, that's what a a good team does is they get some, they get some luck along the way and they get some production from unexpected places from random guys that fill in. Sometimes it doesn't work out like the Spucky instance, but But with the relievers, it has worked out. Yes. Every team has that. Um, and I, you know, it was the, the Sapucky was the Sapucky start was like the Jared Eikoff level thing from last year, except they started Jared Eikoff like three or four times. And so that's what I'm hoping we don't get to in 2022, like where you're where you throw Sapucky back out there like two or three more times, because then you're at that point, you're basically conceding games on purpose. Yeah, and this is also um uh, where their lack of depth kind of rears its ugly head. I mean, I guess you wouldn't expect that three of your starters would all go down, but um, I mean, it really would have been nice if they had a couple more guys yeah. stashed away on minor league deals. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and mean, I wouldn't they... like completely ignore the possibility that like something comes together sooner than expected on the back end of this. Um I also am holding out hope for Bartolo Colon's return to glory. Yes, there was a tweet about that. Uh, uh, there was a tweet with uh, Bartolo Colon throwing and saying that he still hopes to latch yeah. on with the Mets, which I'm would on. Be sign, awesome. sign, so I'm it, isn't he up. coming to old timers day, though? Yes, he is. Okay. 
Um, I would really love for Bartolo Colon to be the first ever player to play Old Timers Day and also for and the start itself. Oh my in God, incredible. Because that would be <laughs> on brand. It would just be the most Bartolo Colon thing to ever happen. Yes. <laughs> and he hit a dinger. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, they would have to bring the fences in, I would think. I don't know. Like, are they going to play with the regular like city field dimensions dimensions because frank thomas really wants to hit a home run at 92 <laughs> years old and i want him to hit a home run i i want that to happen for him yes <laughs> i do too <sighs> the mets did um the mets have made like a few like very minor moves like they did sign trevor cahill to a minor league deal for example Keeping the trevor quota up. <laughs> the trevor oh yeah got a it. got a corner in the market on trevor's um and so but yeah. is he a good trevor yeah who well, knows? all of the current trevors in major league baseball are good good okay yeah there are no active trevors of any note no active good. trevors yes. yes there are no evil trevor <laughs> no trevors that matter are uh anything yeah. other than good yeah um trevor cahill uh obviously has not I mean, he's not been good since I think the shortened season was the last time he was good. Um, And that was kind of that was the San Francisco Giants. And again, like we've established that the Giants have like weird devil magic where like dudes who are like well past their prime have career years randomly. That's like a thing the Giants do. So I don't necessarily trust the Giants shortened season Trevor Cahill because like he was bad in 2019, too, I think. But, you know, they're doing that sort of thing. Uh, by the, I think they recognize that like, oh my God, we're like pretty screwed right now from the starting pitching perspective. Um, so they're trying to bring in guys. Um, I think that, you know, like it's the struggle is, is that they can trade for outside help, but they can trade for something outside the organization and there will be guys who will be available. But I think that it's, it's too early to make that trade right now without having to pay a premium on the trade. So yeah, there's just not enough teams selling yet. And for yeah. good reason. Like, why should they, why should they, when they're going to, when they can just wait a month and get a way better return. Um, so well, and yeah. And also Tommy Hunter, didn't he get hurt? He's pitching. Oh, is in, he? Yeah. And triple a, he pitched like, I, did he get hurt again? I don't, I don't know. know. He, pitched, I, like, five days ago. he was hurt, but I didn't realize maybe he came back. He, he opened for them a few, <laughs> a few times last year. He pitched like in triple A, he pitched like five days ago. So he's made two outings in triple A. As far as I know, the first one, he like really got beat up. Oh. Um, it was like two thirds of an inning, five runs, three of them earned or something Oof. like that. Oh. But, but then he pitched, I think like five days ago, he pitched two scoreless innings. So okay. I don't know if that first outing was just kind of like getting the shaking the cobwebs out or whatever. Um, Cause it was his first outing back. I mean, obviously I'm sure he was like throwing bullpens and simulated games and stuff before that, but um, yeah. So I don't know what the status of that is. And if he is considered an option at this point for the, because I saw a real life Tommy Hunter start last year and it was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. an opener for Joey Lucchese and they were awesome. Yeah. Joey Lucchese is also gradually working his way yes. back into the fold i believe i don't know yes. what his eta yes. is we worth, noting, worth noting that i have heard from um trusted sources i know Ooh, i sound sauces. like a, 
a scoops Ooh. guy right now, but I the trusted sauces that I will not expose that Joey Lucchese is throwing off a mound. Um, Yay. Yay. Excited churv noises. Excited churv noises. Joey Lucchese return, perhaps imminent. I don't know like what his, I, I had heard, I had heard the timeline was kind of like in the midsummer months, he will be an option potentially for the Mets. So that's good because, you know, it, if DeGrom is back, but maybe not Scherzer yet, and like they still need guys. I mean, I am hoping that, you know, McGill and Peterson, who are probably ahead of uh, ahead of Joey Lucchese on the depth chart, even if Lucchese does come back, I am hoping that those guys can hold it down. But, you know, if we get to the Trevor Williams starting games uh, stage again, uh, it would really help to have Lucchese back. Um <laughs> in the rotation. I just want to hear the Sopranos theme at City again. <laughs> I know. I know. So good. He was so perfect for this team. I know. I really like Joey Lucchese and I, I want I want him to come back. I um, do too. So he yeah. Was, he was really getting it done before yeah. he got hurt. Yes, he was. Um, so yeah. Um, things are rough right now uh, with the pitching, but hopefully they can out hit it and, you know, withstand it. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In the wider baseball world and in the wider world... <laughs> There's been a lot going on this week. Uh, we will start with uh, Josh Donaldson, <laughs> who we unfortunately have to talk about. Um, so Josh Donaldson uh, made a racist comment toward Tim Anderson. Um, he referred to him as Jackie, um, as in like a reference to Jackie Robinson. He said, what's up, Jackie, to him, um, like in a you know derisive manner, uh, not like he claims it was a joke, like, but it was not. It was not a joke. He was being an asshole. Um, he claims it was some sort of inside joke uh, and that he said he, he said that he said it to Anderson before um, and meant it to diffuse the tension that had been building between the two teams. But uh, it's only an inside joke if you're both in on it. <laughs> and yeah, if you think you have a race related inside joke with a black work acquaintance, you think long and hard about that. Yeah, exactly. That's just my personal advice. And when Tim Anderson is telling you it's not a joke, you don't double down and say, no, it's still a joke. <laughs> That's right. The first sign. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, in the initial aftermath of it happening, Josh, a lot of Josh Donaldson defenders were saying, well, you know, he's referencing this, this piece, this Sports Illustrated piece in which, 
Tim Anderson compared himself to Jackie Robinson. And there's several things wrong with that argument. First of all, I, racism, I think the people, I think the fundamental thing that people are misunderstanding about this when they defend Josh Donaldson is that racism is not about intent. You don't need to have racist intent in order to be racist. Um, the comment was racist because of its impact, not because of Josh Donaldson's intent. Clearly, Tim Anderson was offended by it. Clearly, he was offended by it. He said as much. He said openly that he was offended by it. Um, and so that is what makes it racist, not whether Josh Donaldson meant it in a racist way. If you mean something in a racist way, then you're a bigot. That's what that's where intent comes in, whether you're a bigot. But you can be not a racist person and say racist things. It happens all the time because our culture is inherently racist. So people internalize white people, mostly internalize these racist ideas and they parrot them. And sometimes they don't have intent. But that doesn't mean what they're saying is not racist. And, then and this even, was racist. <laughs> even Aaron Judge said it wasn't acceptable. And people still defended Donaldson. It's like you have Aaron Judge is your star. Why are you siding with Josh Donaldson, who's been on your team three months? Like we, we know why you're defending Josh Donaldson at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He's well, I mean, and also, I mean, I think one of the things that really gets kind of underappreciated about this situation is the context of his talking about being like Jackie Robinson. That part of the interview was talking about how he was the only African-American player on his team. Yeah. Right. Like that is to, to ignore that kind of major piece of the context is to, I mean, a ignore so much about who Tim Anderson is as a person and as a player and so much work that he does to bring baseball to his community. Um, and it, I mean, and it's just ignorance and, you know, it just, it just highlights the fact that it was never about the sports illustrated interview. It was about calling a guy a name to remind him that he's less than. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and I think, and this is something that friend of the pod, Bradford William Davis said Yay. on an interview with CNN, which I, I will link in the show yes. notes and in the tweets. I highly recommend you all like, look at this, like, listen to this interview, watch it. Um, he was on CNN's new day. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend you read work from black authors about this. There's been a lot of work from black writers about Jackie Robinson's legacy and current, uh, and, and even Tim Anderson as a, as he relates to Jackie Robinson and this, the, this whole situation that you should read and you don't have to take our word for it. Like, please read their work. Um, but something that Bradford said in that interview that I think he articulated so well was that, um, he said that he took. Uh, he, meaning Donaldson, took something that was supposed to be a reverence and honor comparing your uh, comparing Tim Anderson, comparing himself to Jackie Robinson and turned it into a form of mockery. Yeah. And that is what makes this so offensive and hard. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that that's really the big issue here. And 
And Tim Anderson did clarify and say, yeah, like Donaldson's not lying when he says he's said this to me before he has. And I told him at the time I didn't like it. So that makes it even more indefensible because Donaldson is putting up this defense that, oh, well, it's a little inside joke we have. You know, I've done it before. <laughs> I, I've done the racist thing before. It's, it's, like not the up, defense. <laughs> it's not the defense you think it is, first of all. But second of all, like what was not known at first and what is now known is that Anderson told him to cut it out at the time. So he already knew how Tim Anderson felt about it. It's not like Tim Anderson sort of laughed it off the first time. And like I wasn't happy on the inside and was kind of like, ha, 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 because, you know, sometimes you don't want to confront these situations because you just take these microaggressions and move on because this is something that, you know, people, uh, marginalized people have to deal with all the time. And so if you, you have to pick your battles sometimes. And so but that wasn't the case. He told Donaldson he didn't like it and he did it again anyway. That's where it becomes completely indefensible. Well, and but Boone defended it, of course. Yeah, <laughs> like I get sticking up for your player, like as a coach, you have to. But at the same time, you can still say it was it was unacceptable, and we're not going to tolerate racism in this locker room. When but you're outclassed by on it, when you're outclassed by Tony Larusa on racism yes. <laughs> issues, it is really time to take a look in the mirror. Yeah, like, like, really oh, need to look at yourself. If Tony LaRussa says something is racist and and you don't see it, <laughs> whew, my God, <laughs> like, please. You made something. some choices in your life, my dude. Time to think about that. And yeah, like Liam, Liam Hendricks went off. I don't know if you saw the interview with him, but he had quite a spicy interview. He had he had some stuff to say. Yeah, it was good. It was good, though. Yeah, it was it was amazing. And it, it just seems like. I mean, by Hendrix's own words, every single clubhouse that Josh Donaldson has been in has been a problem. Yep. And yeah, he's then, like the most hated man in baseball. Yeah. And then now also Max Kepler just said something the other day, too. And he was kind of alluding to like, well, now the locker room is much better. And we wouldn't have this wouldn't have happened last year. Like they had a big comeback win. And he was like, well, the locker room's happier and this wouldn't have happened last year. So it's like you're sticking up for somebody who's literally hated in the entire in the entire league. Like, sounds why familiar. This is the hill you're going to die on is for this person. Sounds familiar. Yep. <laughs> That's all I'll say. <laughs> I won't I won't talk about details there, but sound it's a pattern is all we'll say about yeah. that. Um but, behavior, yeah. I mean Donaldson doesn't just have Aaron Boone coming to his aid. He of course has plenty of middle-aged white sports columnists coming They're to his very aid. Very reliable on that. Uh always very reliable on that. Uh so especially Mr. John Heyman, who I'm so, sorry, oh, I have to I have to John give Heyman. um I guess extra credit if there is some version of that phrase that would make sense for um, referring to racism in the process of um, excusing it as the R word. <laughs> what the hell was that? Ugh, the worst. And just like, man, man, people with um, developmental and intellectual disabilities like didn't have to be part of this conversation at all, my dude. Right, right. Like just... Let's just focus on the matter at hand, which is you being an asshole about racism. Yeah. Uh, but that was, um, yeah. So I guess bonus yeah, points was all sorts of being a uh, 
Cretan about this in multiple ways. Yep. And that was uh, that that tweet was written in defense of an article by his fellow New York Post sports columnist, Mike Vaccaro, who wrote about um, who basically he basically wrote what uh, about what I talked about before being like, we don't know what's in Josh Donaldson's heart. We don't know his intent, which is not necessarily wrong, although he has he has a reputation that precedes him, as we mentioned, for being sort of an asshole. But even if you take the most generous interpretation and say, sure, we don't know what's in his heart. We don't know his intent because we weren't there. It still doesn't matter. It's still the the inner what determines whether the interaction was racist is not intent. It's impact. So like, yeah. And Heyman, of course, jumped immediately to be like, yeah, they were so quick to invoke the R word. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Middle aged white sports dudes. This is exactly the opinion we need about this. (laughs) Once again, John Heyman, retire. Yeah. Yeah. And you're totally ignoring what Tim Anderson is telling you. Yeah. No, they refuse to listen. Yeah. Or read one book about also like just one of the most interesting and intelligent players out there right now. And anytime that he is in some kind of baseball news cycle and you're not listening to him talk, that is a big mistake on your part because he has a lot to say. Yep. And like, and people who I've seen, I've also seen a lot of people like saying that, like, um, talking about how like Anderson's a hothead or whatever for reacting this way. And like Jackie Robinson himself put up with way worse and maintained his composure or whatever, and quote, didn't complain about this. And I am begging begging those people to read one book about Jackie Robinson. Like I am begging you to read one book. Like I just, mm, or even just a Google, a simple Google search. Like like, you, you see how that's worse. Yeah, but that's but that's worse. Right. Exactly. It's just like, ugh, there's first of all, like Jackie Robinson had a lot to say that you are not reading <laughs> that you clearly have not read. Uh, and second of all, you uh, the fact that you don't see how that's worse is like mind boggling. Um, anyway, Josh Donaldson issued one of those like bullshit apologies that was basically like, sorry that you were offended. Um, the the typical canned notes app apology. <laughs> You're taking no responsibility. Um, he did receive a, a uh, one game suspension from Major League which Baseball, which he is appealing. Because, which he is appealing because he's an asshole. Because why shouldn't everything be that much harder? Just because if you were really sorry, you would just take your lumps and go. Especially since the lumps are so tiny. Well, <laughs> he can't do anything right now because he has COVID. Because the yep. saga, of course. Oh, I miss that. Oh. He, yeah, no, he has not he yet. Is he has not yet served his one game suspension slash. I mean, you know, that has not been adjudicated yet because he's appealing. But if the a suspension stands, he has not served it yet because he is currently on the COVID injured list. The Yankees are are very injured, by the way. Yes. <laughs> not not going well. I mean, like they they, they like got mess. their own devil magic. I cannot bring myself to be worried about the Yankees. I, I mean, you know, worried, worried. Um, I have fallen down that trap so many times of like hmm, Yankees look like they've got some problems this year. And then like, no, nope, no. Nope, and then they're good anyway. Year, and then it's fine. Like they have, you know, they have Kiner falafel playing shortstop and somehow he's like, good. I, I, I don't get it. Um, but I mean, they, they have their injury issues right now, but much like the Mets, they have a very good record. And so they have built up, you know, wins in the win column and they can probably sustain 
these injuries, but their division lead is not as big as the Mets because the AL East is not trash garbage, unlike the NL East. Um, it's okay. But- we know what you meant. The NL East is definitely the one that's trash garbage. Yes. NL East, <laughs> the NL East is terrible. AL East no, is not, not good. Uh, AL East is not, not, not good. <laughs> AL East is good. Um, aside from the Baltimore Orioles, although they are actually performing better than one would expect, I think. Um, Poor Birdland. I want to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> Adley Rutschman's up. Adley Rutschman. There you go. Very exciting. Um, I do fear that they have built up way too much for the on the poor man to save the franchise. He's just one man, everyone. Um, but very okay, exciting. When has that ever backfired? No. Never. Never. Um, plan. Now that we just spent, you know, like 10 or 15 minutes berating the Yankees, I suppose I now have to <laughs> give the Yankees credit where credit is due. <clears throat> that just like that tasted gross in my mouth when I said it, but I'm gonna say it. Um, the, the Rays and the Yankees tonight are playing a baseball game, but their Twitter feeds in lieu of posting, you know, the usual like score updates and gifts and like highlight videos are posting facts about gun violence um, in wake of the tragedy in Texas, which is the reason that this podcast is coming out on Friday and not on our usual Wednesday, because that tragedy happened on Tuesday and we were set to record that night. And it was just not the mood um, to talk about baseball. Um, And so, you know, the Rays before the game started or like shortly after the game started, um, tweeted a statement and I, I'm not going to read it all, but, um, I'll link it in the show notes and the tweets. Cause I think it's really well-written whoever, whatever PR person for the race wrote this, uh, well done. Um, but you know, they, in part, they wrote, this cannot become normal. We cannot become numb. We cannot look the other way. We all know if nothing changes, nothing changes. The Rays organization stands committed to actionable change and has made a $50,000 commitment to every town for uh, gun safety's support fund. Um, so that's really good on the Rays and the Yankees. And I think this. they did something after the Parkland shooting too. Yeah, I believe they did. Speaking, yeah. I believe they did. Um, so that that was really good by the Rays and the Yankees to do this um, because you know I think it's worth it, even if like you know obviously I'm not I'm not I'm not naive. I don't think the Yankees tweeting is going to change that many people's hearts and minds, right? Like people people have their opinions on this issue and that's not going to change because the Yankees tweeted about it. But I think that, you know, it's better than doing nothing and pretending that this didn't happen and just playing a baseball game. Um, which I think that is probably what most baseball teams are going to do. <laughs> um, so I, I will give credit where credit is due on that. Um, but a, a, a worth noting too, that a number of players have also spoken out and tweeted about this, um, including Joey Votto, Mookie Betts, Andrew McCutcheon, and the Mets very own Trevor May tweeted about this. Um, you know, and I think particularly for the, for this show in particular, um, I think it's worth noting that the gun violence epidemic is deeply, deeply entwined with issues of domestic violence. Um, I think that, you know, the, the Rays and Yankees even tweeted that, what was the stat, Linda, that the Yankees tweeted about how many women are threatened have it in front of me? Yes. Yeah. It's, um, about 4.5 million women in the U S today report having been threatened with a gun by an intimate partner. Yeah. Um, so that is, 
very much a part of this, like the fact that guns are so, so easily accessible to anyone, including violent men. It it's just it results in mass carnage. And this country has a, a problem, a problem, and nothing is being done by the people in charge about it. Nothing. Um, and, you know, we we everyone said after after Newtown that that was going to be a bright line, that something was going to be done. And now we have another massacre of school children, nothing going to be done. And it's just really disheartening to, you know, keep going (laughs) and talking about baseball and everything when this is the reality that we're living in in America. It's I don't even know. I don't have words for it. That's all I'm going to say about it because I don't have anything else to say. I don't know. It's just like like you said, it's it's kind of it also makes you kind of prioritizing because like you said, like here we are talking about baseball, but there's families without their kids now. Like, I don't like it just, it, there's no words for it. And just to see the callousness of, of people to just turn away from that and just to normalize that and be like, well, nothing can be done. Like, I don't understand how we can make that okay as a country. Like, and. I, I just, I, I don't have, I can't wrap my brain about around that mentality that, you know, dead kids is fine. I, I just, I don't understand. And then like, you know, a, my, a gun in this country has more rights than a child or than me as a woman. And you're going to fight harder to protect your gun than you are me. Um. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. And I don't want to get it. I don't want to understand that mentality. I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I give up. I mean, I already gave up. Yeah. I continue to give up. That's yep. all I got. It's, it's just, I want to say it's incomprehensible and it is in a way, but it's not incomprehensible that this happened because it keeps happening. And it'll happen <laughs> again. And yep. It will happen again. It will happen like- again. I was texting with my sister. I was like, oh, my nephew's going off to kindergarten next year. That means active shooter drills. And she goes, I hate to break it to you. He's been doing that since he's been two, since he's two years old. They do it in his daycare. They have to hide in the bathroom. They give them lollipops to keep them quiet. So, yeah, you have toddlers, toddlers. This is what we doing active shooter drills. Yep. Oh, this wow. Is, this is this is our country. <sighs> okay. Um, but we are going to end the show. Like we oh always Oh god, do. isn't there like one other thing we could talk about? Yeah, like, <laughs> uh, I don't know. Well, the Rangers are losing. So. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's what we the Rangers. Well, that's, you know, and that just reminds me, my my son is seven, <laughs> and the thing that he said after I told him about what happened was, Can you find some other bad news to tell me about? <laughs> yeah, I mean uh, mood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so I think Rangers losing is like, it's just the perfect, like other bad news, <laughs> other, to bad news yeah. other bad news to, to get about. us like out of the pit. Yeah. 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 Thank you Rangers for coming to us in our time of need. That's what we needed. Thank you Rangers for just giving us some regular bad news. Well, that's kind of like, like I said, when the Mets game had to come back and lost, yeah. like, the Rangers played a beautiful game that night. Like 
good. It was, I wasn't even stressed. It was, it was just the part. They look good. They were winning from start to finish. I'm like, so perfectly balanced. Like the Rangers look good. And then the Mets fall apart. Like <laughs> The earth is back on its axis. Yeah. Right. I can't have it both. I can't have yeah. it both. I mean, that game was sort of the regular bad news. <laughs> that Mets game. Yeah. Um, but, um, we will end the show like we always do with walk off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, which we desperately need, um, baseball related or otherwise, um, Linda Cervich was your walk off win for this week. I know it was last week, but I didn't, um, I didn't get to like really talk about my, the players. Like I really do. Um, the Rangers are still my walk off win again. Um, Yes, even if they lose, because the Pittsburgh series was just insane and they didn't really play well for two games. Like they completely fell apart for two games, but now they fought back. Like they're kind of like the Mets, like they fought back. They're never out of it. And, um, and like (laughs) Allison, you'll kind of know this, but they have like so many young kids on their team. Yeah. Like most of them aren't even able like to drink yet. And they're just they they exude joy. You like like they're just happy and they're they love playing the game and they make you fall in love with the game because of how happy they are and it's just been a joy to watch them see them grow and to like really and they've been honestly some of the best players on the team the entire playoffs. It's not their veterans. It's been the kids and to just see them like develop and. And like, they're just so like, they're just the most like precious, lovable, adorable, like their personalities are just so fun. And, um, and just to see like the rest of New York fall into them, like, these are my guys and to like, see, and now I get to share them with other people because like now more people are paying attention to them. Like, yes, they love them. They deserve to be loved. And um, so that's just been like, it's been nice just to see them and to see them grow up. And it's like my babies are like, I feel like a proud mama. It's like my babies are growing up. As opposed to when too many people tweet about the Mets and I'm like, stop looking at them. Yeah, the Mets. <laughs> yeah. No, this is like a good thing. <laughs> Despite how awful they're playing currently. Um, but yeah, so they do. I mean, if they lose now, which they're probably going to, then if they lose Saturday, then the ride is over. No, that's always the hard part. And that's the hard part of the Mets. Like it's just over after you've invested so much time and effort and like stress and then it just ends and then you don't see them for months and I get sad. And, <laughs> but it has been a good season and I do, I do love my little guys and I'm happy for them. And they're just a bunch of lovable guys that you that are easy to root for, especially now that they got rid of Tony D'Angelo. Ugh. But um, so yeah, the rest of the team are actually like lovable dudes. Like they're they're goofballs and um they're just really and I really don't want them to leave because I love them so much, but I mean, I'm thankful. Like, what well, how often do you get to watch hockey with the air conditioning on? Like that doesn't happen. And which was which happened in the past week. Like I was like, you know, not every team is still in it. So I'll I'll count my blessings and I won't be too sad. But I would have been sad if they, they lost to Pittsburgh because I hate Pittsburgh. That would have been a no go, but I'll, I have to make my peace with this. So, um, so I am at peace no matter the outcome, although I really want them to win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that. Um, Maggie Wiggin, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, so I 
am like the weirdest New Yorker ever because I really love the summertime. So when it was going to be incredibly broiling this weekend, um, I wanted to be sure to like find some way to be outside in it because again, I'm really weird. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. What I I ended, so what I came up with uh, was we went up to Terrytown, like right out on the Hudson River. Um, under and like I. <laughs> I literally found like a batch of parks along that stretch. Yeah, there's a lot over there. (laughs) Yes, there are. And I specifically scanned the Google reviews for the word shade. Um, (laughs) And I found the perfect park and we spent all day Saturday just like chilling in the shade. And like Mr. Seven could watch the trains behind us. And there was beautiful water, the Tappan Zee off to the side, and a playground and just like tons and tons of shade. And it was, it was just a very nice way to spend that weekend and get to be outside and absorb some of the like fresh air vibes. Um, and it just felt really nice. And it, it's, it feels like summer is coming and I can't wait for it. And I'm sorry to everybody else, but this is my time. I, I mean, I am also, I'm with you hundred percent. I'm also pro summer, whatever day it was where it was like, super hot for the first time would it like when the temperature like basically climbed like 30 or 40 degrees overnight whatever day that was I like went outside for a walk in the middle of the day when it was like 85 or 90 degrees and I was like yes I was like I'm baking and I love it like my toes have not been covered in two weeks and that is that will be the case until until like late September I was like, I'm in a tank top and shorts. The toes are out. It's time. the toes are out. It's so great. I was well, I forgot, so like, because it just felt like one long march. Like, I forgot I could wear, like, light clothing. Like, I'm like, yes, it is actually spring. Like, it's allowed. I don't have to wear, like, long sleeve cardigans. It's sundress time. Yeah. Sundress time. The and best if you time. forget your sweater, you won't immediately regret it. You might regret it around, like, eight or nine o'clock. Yes. That's when you'll regret it, but that's fine. It's you can great. regret it for like an hour while you get home. Yeah. I, I love the summer. I summer nights specifically. I love, um, you know, a when plus. it's like, when it's like night, when it's like warm enough that when it's dark out, you still can wear shorts and a t-shirt yes. and be outside yes. and be perfectly comfortable. Oh, it's my favorite. Well, and I just um, love around here too, just being near the water and like eating by the water and mm-hmm. oh, it's so nice. Yep. And I saw like that same day that I went outside for a walk, like purposefully in the heat. There were a bunch of people like on their Instagram stories being like, oh, I'm sweaty. I hate the summer. I don't understand you people love the summer. And I'm like, I am just walk my slower. best life. Just amble. I, I have a literal parasol. <laughs> Amazing. Those vibes are immaculate. Well, and they get, like you said, shade. Just get yeah. in the shade. No, that's the that's what you need is just move slowly and bring your shade along with you. And it's, it's not like a a lacy old fashioned parasol. You can get them on Amazon. They're like umbrellas, but they have like a black coating on the inside or what, I don't know what it does, but it, it feels so nice. Um, I learned it from all the abuelas in my neighborhood. I was watching her. I'm like, they got the right idea. (laughs) Yep. 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 They're doing it right. They know what's up. They know better than us. Yeah. So yes, maybe my real walk-off win is a parasol off of Amazon. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Excellent. Um, so my walk-off win this week is baseball related. Um, and it's that amidst, uh, all this like roller coaster ride of the Mets with the injuries, but them still playing pretty well. 
I want to give a shout out to Jeff McNeil, who was my dude coming into this season. Uh, and I think so far that has been, you know, that has uh, come to pass. Um, and I just want to my walk off win is just that he is having fun playing baseball. And it has been an absolute joy to watch him play this season. Um, I, I like because last season he was just so angry all the time. Like he was just slamming his helmet down, slamming his bat down after every at bat, screaming fuck at the top of his lungs, audible on the broadcast. Like I think he invented some of his own new expletives. <laughs> yeah, really, really. I like it was just so like it was so rough for him last year. And he's a guy who wears it on his sleeve and he was just very angry the whole time. And this year he's like he's he's living his best life he's doing little jigs on the bases like it's it's a whole new side of jeff mcneil it's happy jeff mcneil and i'm so here for it um i love it and i, yeah, I just feel really like angry jeff, jeff McNeil. mcneil like just kind of snowballed on him and that was like it's his permanent state <laughs> yeah resting mcneil face it just yeah. was <laughs> we've all had angry mcneil seasons we have yeah it's true. sorry jeff we've all been there yeah i relate but I, I like happy Jeff better. Um, and I just hope it continues because after last year he deserves it. And I, and I'm, I'm hoping that, and it's seeming more and more that last year was an aberration and, you know, he's, he basically back to being like Jeff McNeil again. Um, and it's great to see, and I'm very happy about it. So that's my walk-off win for this week. Yeah, we um, didn't know he could be goofy. I'm enjoying goofiness. It's great. And, and specifically, I should mention that I enjoy Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor together and their friendship this season. It's buddy comedy gold. It has been like a great story arc emerging from the rat raccoon thing of last year. Like clearly they are past that, whatever that was. (laughs) And it's, it's awesome. They're like hugging each other in the dugout. They are friends and it makes me so happy. Like Maggie said, peak buddy comedy content. And I love it. Yeah, the vibes are, are off the charts. Just this is such a good vibes team. And just <laughs> the vibes are good on this team. Like the other day when Kana hit a home run, like him and Pete did like a thing. Like, yep, they the- did like a little like, mm, mm, yeah. mm, mm, mm. and I was like, whoa, <laughs> heck yeah. And like Starling Marte has immaculate vibes as well. Just like- oh, and Jeff McDeal's dancing too. Yeah, his little jig, <laughs> his little like shaky shake, his little like. <laughs> His little white person thing that I do at every wedding. Like, that's what that's how I dance at weddings. I'm doing so. it right now. Yeah, little, eh, 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 eh. Um, that's how every white person does it. Yep. Yep. It's great. But can I just say that JD hasn't been goofy and I'm very upset by that. Yeah, we we're, we do have a lack of a JD face. We need we more do. JD face. Uh, and and I feel like, you know, the, the time is right. I think focused on getting his his bat into gear and now that he's um settled offensively he'll start shifting his focus to the um funny faces to the goofiness yeah like is he sad or is he maturing and i don't like either one of those options honestly an appeal for jd distracted he's going through a lot right now i know i know i'm supportive yes but i'm worried about him And and no, we we'll can't forget an uh, shaved Luis Guillorme continuing to just kill it uh, has been great too. Also, <laughs> great shaved vibes. for like thirty seconds. Yeah, I mean, like he has the beard again now, but it's he not like nearly as long. And had like an inch of growth on his a face. five o'clock well, shadow. What was the S and Y graphic of like the inches of the beard? <laughs> yeah, yeah, 
I mean, like he definitely has the beard again now, but it's not nearly as long as it was when he first shaved it. Which um, seems like it might actually be kind of inconvenient. So I don't hold it against him. Indeed. Um, yeah. So um, that does it for the show this week. Um, you should uh, follow Amazing Avenue on all the social medias, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You should also go to the site, amazingavenue.com, read all of our fantastic content, game recaps. I'm sure that this will be another uh, insane series this week because Mets Phillies is always full of uh, content. Uh, So I'm sure that those game recaps will be very fun. Uh, Go to amazingavenue.com, check all of that out. Morning news posts every day, analysis posts for you guys. You can follow this show on Twitter at a pod of their own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Surovich. And you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Please subscribe to the podcast, Amazing Avenue Audio. Wherever you get your podcasts from, you will get our entire suite of amazing pods. You can rate and review the show on your favorite podcast app. It really, really helps people find it. Um, The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets. And don't forget, there is no crying in it.